Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Hi, church. It's great to be with you today. And I'm kind of going to pick up where we've been this last week. I was talking all about my story of having been on sabbatical and about just learning uh, how to rest, learning how to be with Jesus. And so I want to pick that up again. And, and by the end, I'll give you some really practical stuff, but just need to spend some time with you reinforcing this idea. It's a very important idea for us. So I want you to join me. Let's pray together as we start. God, I just thank you for those who are watching. I thank you that you have a plan for them today as they take in this information, as they take in this content. I pray that you would open their understanding. I pray that you would protect this time. I pray that you would break negative patterns that are in our lives in Jesus' name, that you'd give us a a capacity to take in what's being shared today supernaturally. Holy Spirit, just speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let me just review a little bit from last week. Last week, we learned that there should be a high value placed on being with Jesus. We talked about being with Jesus as both a calling and a promise and how it's a calling because there is some intentionality involved. It's a promise because the road is hard and life is difficult and we need the companionship of Jesus. So the disciples... Uh, being with Jesus was actually literal. We know that to be true. They lived with him. They immersed their lives in him. They learned the nuance of his gestures and his ways, his qualities, and then they began to emulate them. And after Jesus left, of course, they picked up his ministry. So why don't we go back to the text we used last week? It's actually going to be on the screen right here. And so let's look at it together. It's from from Mark chapter 3. And let's look at a couple of these verses. It says, that Jesus went up on a mountainside. That's what it says in verse 13. And then in verse 14, it says uh, he called to them those that he wanted to be with him. Verse 14, he appointed 12 that they might be with him, which is the very first part of the job description, that he might send them out to preach. That's the second part of the job description. And to have authority to drive out demons. That's the third part. And so what do we see here? We see that the 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 three main components of the job description, the calling of the disciples at the very beginning were to number one, be with Jesus, number two, be sent out by him, and to have authority from him being number three. And so last week we spent a lot of time just talking, I mean that was the name, the title of the sermon, be with Jesus, being with Jesus. You might be saying to yourself right now, Andy, you seem to be overemphasizing that first element of this job description over the rest. You might be feeling in your heart, you know, we got to get out there. We got to do something. We can't just sit here and sing Kumbaya for the rest of our lives as though that's what we're called to do. And I, I think you are beginning now to understand the difference between what is primary and what is secondary, what comes first and what follows. Your first calling is to Jesus to be with him. Number one, first calling. And this must always stay the main thing. I'm emphasizing this because it's so easy to neglect the being with Jesus and skip right over to those secondary things and feel like you're on mission for Jesus where there's lots of activity but very little relationship. 
And any of you who have been in a relationship with Jesus over the long haul, any of you who have attempted to serve Christ in your life throughout the long haul, you understand what I mean. It's very easy to have lots of activity and a little bit of relationship. And so I want you to now just kind of go with me into this thought. It's a big thought. Let's look at it together. And it's this. Being with Jesus is not passive. Being with Jesus is active because Jesus is on the move. I just want you to think about that for a minute. Being with Jesus is not passive. It is active because Jesus is on the move. In other words, when you choose to be with Jesus, it's not inactivity. In fact, it is the most important activity that you can engage with. Being with Jesus actually prepares you for what is yet to come in Jesus's movement because Jesus is on the move, okay? So think about it this way. Say I had a bow and an arrow. I don't have one on this platform. I would be scaring the, the, um, the, the techs that are helping me today. But if, if I had a bow and arrow here, imagine how accurate I would be if I took the bow uh, and I put the arrow in it and I pulled it back and I released it and then I aimed. How effective would I be? How close would I come to the target if I aimed after I released the arrow? Obviously, I would be much better off not to do ready, release, aim, but to do ready, aim, release. That makes sense to us, doesn't it? And let me, let me suggest to you that not being with Jesus, but just doing activity for Jesus is very much the same thing. Aimless activity is not productive. If we were together at church right now, you'd say amen to that. Aimless activity is not productive. In the same way, if you neglect being with Jesus, you miss his direction. You miss his will. How do you expect to hear his voice without spending time listening, right? And so being with Jesus actually is preparing us for what's yet to come. So let's reinforce our study with the words of Jesus. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the concept that we shared last week. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to layer that with Jesus's own words and these words, I want you to feel Jesus saying them to you as he was saying them to the disciples that very day. And so now we're going to look at John chapter 15, verse 4. And here's what it says. Jesus speaking to his disciples says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. Wow. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Jesus said this to his disciples, knowing that he soon would be crucified, resurrected, and returning to heaven. He knew where he was going. He had already told them he was going to be betrayed into the hands of sinners, that there's going to be a place in the midst of this dialogue in chapter 14, 15, 16. I'm going somewhere. You can't come with me. All this different language in there. But in the midst of that, he says, remain in me as I also remain in you. And, and now once again, just like last week, we see a calling and a promise surrounding being with Jesus. Remain in me, that's the calling, as I also remain in you. That's the promise. So Jesus will remain in you. The question here and the challenge for us is, will we remain in him? And so once again, we come into this same big question we come to the same challenging point it's up to us to be with Jesus 
Remaining in him doesn't mean that you move into a monastery or become a recluse in the mountains or move to the Holy Land and retrace the footsteps of Jesus. No, no. This is a very important point. I want you to catch this one. This is a really important thought. Remaining in Jesus is not about physical geography. It's about spiritual gravity. In other words, it's not about where you are currently living, where you are connecting to Jesus, how far you are from any specific, um, you know, uh, geography. It's about how rooted you are, how deeply touched you are by the sense of your spiritual connection to Jesus, the gravity of it. You see, this word remain in the Greek is meno. And, and this word really means, it means remain, it means abide, it means to stay. When I tell my dog to stay, he sits down and he waits for the next command. The idea here is that when we wait, when we remain, we begin to hear and, and, and give our attention, focus our attention on Jesus. And as a result, we then hear what's next to come. One theologian paraphrased the verse we've been using, John uh, 15, 4, in this way. I, I really love what he has to say here. He says, live in me, make your home in me, just as I do in you. Can you, can you hear Jesus saying that to you today? Can you hear him saying that? Listen, hey, hear me right now. Live in me, Jesus says. Make your home in me, Jesus says, as I do in you. The calling and the promise. I, I just want us to make sure that we're pausing long enough to take in this mystery, okay? Think about what Jesus is saying. See, when you make Jesus your home, he lives in you. That's an incredible, incredible life-altering reality. We say it often, we think about it, or at least we've heard it before, so we miss it. But understand this, Jesus lives in you. He's right there. You see, we think of God as being out there somewhere. And, and, and our whole life is about this search for him as though he were lost, right? We're going to find God. But God certainly is out there. Yeah, sure. But he's also in here. That's an important point. So remaining in Jesus, being with him as we've been talking about it, is, is literally an awakening to and a forever exploration of the truth that God has chosen to make his residence in us as followers of Jesus. How deep can you go into that truth? How far can you delve into the, those deep waters like I talked about last week? of exploring Jesus in you, his residence in you, your connection to him. It's as if you wake up every morning and Jesus is there in your house. That's awesome. Be with him. Don't ignore him. Don't miss the privilege that leads to so much more. And I'm going to talk about that now for just a minute. You see, because I can't even begin to explain the benefits of remaining in Jesus. It's literally multifaceted, it's endless, it's different for you than it is for me, but Jesus becomes what we need. He works with us, he helps us, he trains us, he teaches us. But here's how Jesus simply said it to his disciples in this very same passage. Let's look, we looked at 
at 15.4. Let's look at John 15.5. Here's what Jesus says. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, as he's already been talking about, you will bear much fruit. And then he says this. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, we have to camp here for a minute. We're going to leave the verse up. Really want you to look at it with me. Jesus says, let me help you understand how this remaining works. When you remain in me, I remain in you. We've already established that in verse 4. So now Jesus begins to reiterate this in a concept. He gives them a visual. The visual is that of a plant or of a vine, if you will. And he says, I am the vine. In other words, he's saying, I am the source. It all starts with me. I take nourishment from my Father and I give it to you. I'm the source. What are you? What am I? We're the branches. We're the branches. And in being the branches, this is the deal. We take the, the uh, nourishment from the roots up through the vine into us as the branches and then we have fruit-bearing potential. We only have fruit-bearing potential as we are connected to the vine. Do you hear me? We only have fruit-bearing potential as we are connected to the vine. So that's why Jesus adds this caveat at the end. He says, you know, you will bear much fruit if you remain in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, some of you say, well, that seems pretty harsh. What do you mean by that? Basically, if you follow through the analogy Jesus has given, what happens to a branch that's broken off of the vine? I mean, I have a garden growing right now in my backyard. And all it takes sometimes is for the branch of, say, one of my, um, one of my tomato plants to just get bent and the nourishment stops flowing, even though there's this heavy fruit out there and all of a sudden the fruit never ripens or it just falls off, right? And, and the same is true in your life. As soon as you're disconnected from being with Jesus, from remaining in him, then the fruit stops being produced. There's nothing of significance that will come out of my life when it comes to spiritual fruit, when it comes to making a difference in, in terms of God's plan and design if I'm not abiding, if I'm not remaining in Jesus. Meno, that's the word, remain. Meno, it means to stay to remain, to abide. See, one reason why this concept seems difficult for us to fully understand is because we, we're dealing partially with a false gospel that comes right out of our culture. And, 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 and it teaches this, we are all gods. And what we need to do is we need to discover the divine within us. And that false gospel has influenced many of us. And so now we see God as being out there and self as being in here. This is a lie. And I, wanna, I just want to clarify. You see, if there's anything good in me, it's God. It's Jesus in me. Let me clarify in the words of uh, Alicia Choli. Let, let's look at this quote from her. She says this, a that God abides in our spirit and our spirit is not God. Clarifying. Let's read on. God speaks to us and through us, but God will never be us. 
We are creation. God is creator. Don't miss this part. It's really good. Even given an eternity of time, the pot cannot evolve into the potter. You catch that? Give me an eternity and I will never be God. But yet, because I remain in Jesus, I can then become a place where Jesus lives. He lives in me. So, now I'm going to spend the rest of our time together and try to answer practically this important question. I think I've done a fair job of reinforcing the idea that being with Jesus is what it's all about. It's where the fruit is, remaining in him. And so now let's answer this important question. Here it is. You ready for it? What can being with Jesus look like in our daily lives? What can being with Jesus look like in our daily lives? Good question. I want to start with this um, statement, if you will. I believe that it is possible. Listen, I really believe this. It is possible, even in this distracting world that we live in, to remain in Jesus and to sense Jesus in us. I really believe that. Now, I want you to understand this. The goal of your enemy will be to tell you that this is impossible, that you are too busy, that there are too many demands, that you are too sinful, that you have too many responsibilities. So don't even try this because you're just going to fail. And if you're feeling that way, recognize where that is coming from and resist him. The Bible tells us, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And so I want to pray right now, Lord, in Jesus' name, I know there's a battle going on for people, maybe even just for their attention right now as they've been watching this. I know that there's a battle going on. I think people are feeling uh, discouraged. I, I believe maybe even someone right now is just facing the tensions that I've just elevated about feeling unworthy or too busy or too much responsibility. I don't have time to add a single thing. How could I actually practically do this? And I just, in Jesus' Jesus' name, resist the enemy of our souls. I resist the devil and I ask that he would flee so that those who are hearing my voice, those who are listening and watching, would be able to receive faith and hope and possibility to really have a vibrant life where Jesus, you are at the center. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so now as we get practical, I want to share with you um, basically what I'm outlining for you now is a concept that I'm calling centralizing his presence. So in other words, so much in our lives are floating around, orbiting out there. But what we want to do is we want to centralize the presence of Jesus in our lives. We want to, as Brother Lawrence said to us last week, we want to practice his presence. And we want to be with Jesus. We want to remain in him. In other words, what, what, I'm, what we're talking about here is centralizing connection to Jesus, centralizing his presence. And so I want to talk to you about how that fits into your mind, into your body, into your soul and your spirit. And there's many ways that this can happen, but I'm just going to give you a couple of concepts. And I think they'll help you. So let's talk about our minds. We know how our minds are a battleground. So as I talk about your mind, here's what I want you to consider. This is the idea. If you're going to write something down, write this down. When it comes to centralizing the presence of God in my mind, what I want to do is I want to view life as a duet. See life as a duet. And what, what do I mean by this? I, I mean that your thought life matters. What's going on in your head matters. And, and you want to do life as a duet. 
God will speak to you. Your mind can respond to God, but your mind can also have many rogue thoughts that take you different directions. That's why the Bible uh, warns us to take our thoughts captive. I want you to see life as a duet when it comes to your thinking. And here's a good question to ask. When you feel those thoughts are coming, you feel a little perplexed, you might even begin to, to have a surge of emotion around those thoughts, and it could be very negative. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pause. I want you to ask yourself this question. Can I think this thought with God? Can I invite the presence of Jesus? Can I centralize the presence of Jesus in my life and still think this thought? If the answer is yes, then invite him in. Begin to explore that thought with the Lord, making room for him, centralizing him in your thinking. Uh, my life is a duet. I'm singing, I'm singing the soprano, he's singing the alto, or whatever it might be. There's a duet going on. The left hand and the right hand of the piano are working together. Are you seeing it? But sometimes I'm going to ask myself, can I think this thought with God? And the answer is no. Why? Because it's opposite. It's, 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 um, it becomes a... a um, something that sets itself up against God. This thought is a thought that leads me from God, that is, a, is negative about myself or negative about others in a way that causes me to have hatred or anger or jealousy or something else in my life that is so wrong and actually breaks that fellowship between me and God. And so remaining in him means I have to go to war against the thought. I have to start to, to pray uh, uh, prayers of worship and thanksgiving for God. I have to do war so that I can maintain my life as a duet. The mind is a battleground. And sometimes it's simply just about acknowledging, wait a second, as I meditate on this thought, can I meditate on this thought with God? If the answer is no, go to war. Go to battle. Second thought I'll, I'll give you about centralizing his presence has to do with your body. And we do so many things. Some of you work physically. Some of you have a job where you're on your feet. It's really busy. Others of you work more mentally. You sit behind a computer or behind a desk or with a phone or whatever else. Some of you are teachers. Some of you are, um, you know, uh, tradespeople. Some of you are very physical. Some of you have demanding jobs. Some of you work at night. Sometimes you work in the day, right? Some of you have uh, part-time jobs here and there while you go to school. Ah, oh, it's, it, it's crazy. Our body is pulled in so many directions. And then we also have our physical aspects of our own health, you know, our exercise, our, our eating, our, all these things that have to do with our body. And, and really, when I say, when I talk about your body, I want you to think of it as living in the plural. In other words, I'm not alone in this. We talked about having a duet going on in our minds with God, but also in our bodies, we can live in the plural. In other words, you can invite God into every one of your activities, I can ask God to speak to me while I'm exercising. I can invite his presence through worship and, 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 and through um, God-honoring uh, podcasts and things like that. I can also start to think about um, while I'm working, rather than the frustration and the irritation getting to me, how can I foster a, a, a place where his spirit is welcome, where his presence is being honored? How can I begin to live in the plural? And I want you to think about activities, some that are difficult, some that are challenging. And I want you to think about how can I begin to invite Jesus into that activity? How can I live in the plural with him there? Another thought I'll give you is about your soul. Your soul is your emotional person. And, and that emotional person needs to be acknowledged in order for you to be healthy. You can invite Jesus into your emotions. And here's the way that I think is very healthy to do so, through journaling. 
So I journal and I do an emotional inventory once or twice a week. And this emotional inventory causes me to pause while I'm in my devotional time and I ask myself these four questions. Number one, what am I worried about? And then I take a moment to write down what it is that I'm worried about. And then I ask myself another question, what am I angry about? Yeah? And, and I say, well, I'm, yeah, I write these things down. I get angry, you get angry. I get worried, you get worried. What am I sad about? What's upsetting to me? What, what's, what's, what's really disappointing or, or hurtful to me? I write that out. And then what am I joyful about? What am I glad about, right? And, and, and then I write those things down and I'm doing an emotional inventory. And then the goal is, is that throughout the week that comes out in conversation with other people that I trust, with, uh, with Lisa, my spouse. And we, we, we dialogue about these things and, and, and we keep a very open sense of what's going on in the soul. So this is a wonderful way to invite Jesus and, and just to remain in him when it comes to that emotional inventory. Lord, what do you think about these things that I'm feeling? Do you want to speak into them? Do you want to talk to me about these worries or these things I'm angry about or, or upset about. So I'm worried, mad, sad, glad, okay? And, and, and do an emotional inventory. And then finally, when it comes to centralizing the presence of God in your spirit, I do, uh, most days, I try to do it every day, I practice what I call centering prayer. Centering prayer. And centering prayer is simply pausing long enough to acknowledge the presence of Jesus at the beginning of my day. And, and I think in centering prayer, what usually happens is the Lord will begin to give you maybe a phrase or a word that, that becomes kind of repetitive as a way to kind of pull you back into that place where you're just allowing the presence of God to come and be so very near. For me, it's the name of Jesus. I use the name of Jesus. I say the name of Jesus over and over again. And it becomes, it almost becomes a yearning call as I say, Jesus, Jesus. It kind of turns into, oh, Jesus, oh, God, oh, Jesus, I, I, I want you. I, I, I want to be with you. I want to remain in you. And I just go through this process of, of watching Jesus come near of coming close to me. And, 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 and in, in, my, in my connection with Jesus, he, he puts his hands on me. He puts his hands on my head, on my ears, on my eyes, on my mouth. I invite him, Lord Jesus, come touch me. Touch me here. Give me your passion. Give me your compassion. Lord, lead me and so on. So, so that's centering prayer. And, and I want you to know these simple practices, these very practical things can keep Christ in the center. All of a sudden, you're centralizing the presence of God. You can be creative with these things. You can creatively centralize his presence with screensavers or notes posted around your house or um, a note on your desk that says, don't forget to include me today, right? Um, at work. And, or set an alarm on your phone at regular intervals to remind you to welcome Jesus into your moments. You can be creative with this in centralizing his presence in your life. And I really believe that you can do this. So I'm going to pray for you now. My hope was to give you ideas, to give you some fuel for being with Jesus, because here's the deal. We've been through a lot. The reason why you're watching online is, is because of what we've been through. And I guess I've just felt in my heart, in my spirit, just really concerned that maybe you didn't have the tools to really grow 
through this time to really see the, the pain and the problem of the pandemic as an opportunity to grow, where Jesus didn't make his way into the center. Maybe fear made its way into the center. Maybe busyness, um, maybe alcohol. Something made its way into the center. I just really believe that the way that we're going to win is to become self-feeders where we intend on centralizing the presence of Jesus in our lives. And so I do want to pray for you. And as I begin to pray, I wonder if there's someone who is watching who would say, uh, when it comes to putting Jesus at the center, that's not been on the radar. But after listening to you today, after being a part of things here at GT, even online, I just feel ready in my heart to turn my life over to Jesus Christ, to centralize him in me. I want you to know we want to help you. You see, Jesus is always reaching to us. I said, yeah, he's out there, but he also wants to be in here. So if you're inviting Christ into your life, I'm going to ask you to do something. Take a step. As you're saying, Jesus, come into my life, would you also text LIFE to this number? Because this is a way that we can connect with you and help you. If you're watching on our church online platform, I want to encourage you just to click the hand that says, I want to accept Christ. These are very practical things that you can do to begin your walk of faith and give us an opportunity to support you in that. Let's pray together. Jesus, I, I just thank you. I thank you for what you're teaching us, for how we're learning to be with you. And I pray, Lord, that these simple ideas would now begin to resonate in us and we would be taking steps towards centralizing your presence in our lives. Jesus, be at the center. Be at the center for that one that's accepting you for the first time today. And for those of us who have been desiring to follow you for many years, Lord, be at the center, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.